So we uh, we are going to be at the if you are in Los Angeles and if you are a uh, a listener to Film Week on which Tim and I also are on, we are going to be at the, uh, the Ace, Ace Theater, Theater Hotel da- doing our annual uh, Academy Awards show mm-hmm. for oh, it's on the 17th February 17th Sunday Sunday Sunday, Sunday, 17th, Sunday, and, Sunday before the big show and that will air Friday the 22nd so uh, yeah we're gonna have fun there with all the rest of our film week colleagues arguing and debating and uh, and getting into it and uh, who's gonna win best picture I still I still feel like Green Book man mm. I'd love for it to be mm. Star is Born or the favorite I could even I, I'd even be fine with uh, Black Klansman but I still feel like Green Book is that mushy Oscar movie that's, you know, it's that thing of where the whole Academy votes for that one. It's it was was I mean Rocky beat Network and uh, all the President's Men. Yeah, you know Marty uh, won in a year over Picnic and the Rose Tattoo, in which uh, Rebel Without a Cause and East of Eden and uh, Blackboard Jungle weren't yeah. even nominated. Yeah. You know, so it's there. There are all kinds of weird precedents for this, but um, yeah, we'll we'll see. I, it just feels like that's going to happen, and it's just old school Oscar all over again. Really, yeah, that'd be strange. But uh, you know, a uh, few other few few of the other categories uh, might be worth talking about. The uh, do we do we agree that best original song is going to be Gaga? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Gaga yeah. song is good. Because she lost that last time when she was yeah. nominated for that. Her previous nomination didn't uh, didn't pan out. But uh, yeah, that one that one that one has. I'm, look, there's no there's no um, uh, what's the song in Coco? Uh, in uh, not Coco. Well, actually, yeah, the song in Coco, and yeah. then the song from uh, uh, that uh, that ice that ice uh, animation about the what was the one with the little girl who could turn everything. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Frozen, frozen, frozen. Let it go. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they, they have a live Frozen show at Disneyland, which we haven't been to yet. I'm going to have to do that one of these days. You are. <laughs> you definitely oh, are. Uh, visual effects, man. What do you think's uh, What do you think's going to take visual effects? As, you know, you, you got you got Black Panther, but you also have interesting. No, no Black Panther. No, I mean, it's Ready Player One. Yes, Ready Player yes, One. This is the one, the, this is the one where they decided we're yeah. not. Black Panther got everything else, so we'll we we'll put yeah. Avengers: Infinity War in here instead. Yeah. Uh, instead, which also which, has Black Panther in it. Yeah, which is nuts. Uh, uh, and but those movies are a bit of a mess. Ready Player yeah. One, I think, will be it'll be the one thing that that movie um, will appeal to that Academy, yeah. uh, the nostalgia element of the, the yeah. Academy. I think all you're probably right. Things, you know, yeah. I think you're probably right. Ready Player One is is likely to do it. That's. Yeah, I mean, because the others are solo and event, solo Star Wars story, Avengers: Infinity War. I don't think any any. I mean, Christopher Robin. Three of them are Disney movies, and then there's First Man, which is I don't really know why that's in there. No. Um, yeah. So uh, sound mixing: Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, and Roma, and First, Star is Born. First Man seems like that's the one uh, where. Yeah, Pretty great sound. If, if anybody's paying attention to the sound, really, it's extraordinary in that film. It's one of the more extraordinary things in that film. Star is Born is good, though, and that's the that's that and Black Panther are the ones that are nominated for Best Picture here, mm-hmm. so they're likely to get more votes. But Bohemian Rhapsody, it's good. It's good as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, sound editing, Black Panther, Bohemian Rhapsody, First Man, A Quiet Place, and Roma. Interesting. Um, that wouldn't that be weird if that went to a quiet place. Mm. Sound editing to it, a quiet. It's possible. It's, it's funny because it you know the, the, the theme of the movie and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's one of the dumbest movies ever made. You know, I think. Yeah. Like, okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, achievement <laughs> in music written for the motion uh, for for motion pictures original score nominees. Yeah. Black Panther, Black Klansman, 
If Beale Street Could Talk, Isle of Dogs, Mary Poppins Returns. Now, of, the, wow. of those top three, um, uh, it, it could be any of them. Uh, yeah. For me, I love all of those scores. Beale Street, but wins. the Beale Street score sweeps. It, it, some people say that it's a bit, it's 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 a little loopy for them, and I'm like, you're not listening. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, it's deeply moving. Although that Black Panther score is wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Well, you know, it's really interesting here. These are all, uh, you know, Mark Shaman's for Mary Poppins Returns. I'm not a fan of the movie. Mark mm. Shaman, I get it. It's very old school, kind of uh, Broadway Hollywood. Mark Shaman, but purposefully stuff. so. I mean, but I mean, purposely so. Yeah. Uh, Deplas Isle of Dogs score is is Depla. Mm. It's it's you know it's very modern and but it's very orchestral. It's very much what he does, and mm. he's now sort of the new John Williams it seems but then you get into a really interesting area um, what Bertel does in Beale Street and Bertel also did Vice and mm. I couldn't remember I couldn't give you a bar of music in Vice no. but what Bertel does in Beale Street is he sort of it's sort of the jazz heartbeat of their souls mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, it's the opposite of what Blanchard does in Black Klansman which is you know, it's more, it's broader, piercing. epic jazz. It's yeah. piercing. It's, yeah. it's of the period. It really kind of immerses you. It sets the world. It doesn't set their interior world. It mm-hmm. sets their exterior As world. As opposed to Bill Street, which is all about that interior love. You can hear the love yeah. between but these characters. What Gorenson does in Black Panther is, you know, it's it, John Williams yeah. level, yeah. epic kind of. Yeah, incorporating all kinds of themes. Yet it, he, does not do, he does not do the thing of where, because it's a movie that's about a, a fictional African yeah. uh, nation. He does not simply let that overwhelm the score, and thus everything sounds like it's from a Tarzan movie. Yeah. No, this is a beautiful, beautiful score. Yeah, timed beautifully with themes to character, and uh, and and again, deeply emotional. Yeah. Really loved it. Really, really loved it. All right, let's uh, let's wrap out on just three: uh, best doc, best foreign, and best animated. What Man. do you think? Of, so, so uh, go with Doc first. Uh, Mr. Rogers not nominated. It's just it, which is you know just so strange. Now I'm I'm a big fan of Mind the Gap. Yeah, Minding the Gap. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, that Mr. Rogers film is that's my nomination. That's my win. That's my win. So, so for, for it, me, the, for me, it would have been on her shoulders, but that's not nominated either. Either. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so you know that's uh, I don't know it's, it's, mining the gap is good. I don't get how that Mr. Rogers. Maybe it's because it's uh, 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 Spurlock. Uh, what's yeah, his name? Morgan Spurlock. Morgan Spurlock. And maybe they feel like they've been uh, honoring him a little too much lately. Yeah, I don't know. Well, mining the gap certainly does seem to be the one that's likely to to take that uh, foreign language. Uh, Roma's almost certain to win. Although but, Cold War. But if Roma doesn't win, on the off chance that Roma wins Best Picture, then mm. people decide they're going to do that on that long that long shot. We're going to have Roma Best Picture, not foreign language film. What takes this? Cold War. I agree. It's, it, it certainly yeah. is the one that deserves it. It's just absolutely... I wouldn't be disappointed, however, to see... I mean, my, my favorite in this category is Never Look Away, the German film, but yeah. it's also three hours long, yeah. and he also won this award last time yeah. with uh, The Lives of Others. So, uh, and Shoplifters won can. And uh, us. Col- and us. Uh, it, it, uh, or no, uh, uh, it was uh, Burning one, LA, LA Film Critics. Shoplift. We gave Shoplifter something else. Oh yes, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I, I was yeah. thinking about. Uh, yeah. I was thinking about the uh, the Amy Tan film, yeah. the documentary, the Amy yeah. Tan documentary. Uh, and then uh, no, it's Cold War. It's going to be Cold War. Yeah, which Cold one War. best director at yeah. Cannes? Oddly enough. So then the other one is Capernaum, which uh, from Lebanon, which is yeah. uh, also a wonderful film. Uh, and uh, animated. 
What's gonna? Uh, you know, is it? I mean, I, I, in, in, Incredibles two or a Spider Man? The, the Spider Man movie, oddly, yeah. uh, because I think everyone uh, agrees that despite the fact that we were pretty sure we were going to be handing that award over to uh, yeah. the Incredibles two, yeah. that everyone agrees that you know what the Spider Man, yeah. and they say it like that. They're like, you know, I think that Spider Man movie's better. Like they're shocked. You know? it's like, <laughs> that was better, right? Yeah, it actually was better. Like, okay, yeah, it's, I thought so. You know, it, well, that's the thing. You've we've been to the Incredibles before, yeah. and it won the Oscar. Yeah. And it's a really good movie, and yes. my daughter loves it. But when people walked into that Spider-Man movie, they were floored. And part of it is because nobody expects a Marvel cartoon to be very good. Part of it is also because it's Marvel. Mm -hmm. And part of it is also because Spider-Man movies have been sucking for so long. Yeah, ironic. Nobody, that nobody expected this to be the best Spider-Man movie of ironic all time. Ironic that the best Spider-Man movie of the last six Spider-Man movies is the cartoon. And, and, and it's the way it's put together. You know, that sort of moth ethnic yeah. sort of cast. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and, and, and the animation, the way it's cut, the way it moves, that soundtrack. It's really, really an exciting, it's captivating uh, movie. Charles, our, our dear friend and uh, film week colleague, Charles Solomon, who is the animation guru, uh, he said it perfectly. He said, it revels in the joy of being drawn. Mm -hmm. yeah. Which I thought was a beautiful way yeah. of putting it. Yeah. So, All right, we're going to get down to it. Uh, we got a lot of uh, classic stuff left over from last week, and uh, much of it is from Kino. I want to start off just popping through uh, some of these things that might be off your radar. We've got Memories of Me with Billy Crystal, Alan King, and Joe Beth Williams. Joe Beth Williams, where did you go? Mm. Um, this was directed by none other than Henry Winkler. Yeah. Uh, this was a uh, 20th Century Fox movie, and uh, it, it kind of belongs very much to that, uh, that 1980s moment. And, um, it, you know, it's a, it's a sweet movie. It's a sweet movie. It, uh, I prefer, you know, they're, they're kind of these... Um, uh, it's one of these father and son things, like you know Tom Hanks and, uh, and Jackie oh, Gleason yeah, yeah, in, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, uh, Nothing in Common, nothing common yeah. right? It's it's kind of one of those. Uh, but what is what's nice about this is is Alan King's performance more than anything, written by uh, Billy Crystal and Eric Roth, by the way, mm -hmm. Eric, the great Eric Roth, who of course wrote uh, uh, Forrest uh, Gump. Um, it's just Alan King has a, it does a really wonderful job here. He's just really, really wonderful. And uh, he, he plays the part just beautifully. He gives Billy Crystal a lot of room. He knows exactly what to do. And it's just, it's a, it's a lovely, lovely performance. Yeah. So if you love Alan King, you're going to love the movie. Yeah. Uh, we also have Split, 30th Anniversary Edition. Um, this was a, kind of a bizarre movie that a lot of people didn't see. This came out in 1989. Definitely a, uh, a kind of a, a fringy culty movie uh this has um an extended cut here i don't know that anybody was sufficiently familiar with the film at the time but they will know exactly where these 20 extra minutes are <laughs> like if you were to watch the 104 minute version versus the 84 minute version i don't like if let's say you saw the 84 minute version back mm. in 89 and then you watch the 104 minute version now i don't think anybody's gonna go Oh my gosh, that scene. That's the new stuff. The, that's the new stuff. I, I don't know that you're really going to. Um, no, this is this is kind of a, a low budget sci-fi thing. It takes place in a uh, in a dystopian future, uh, and uh, deals with the threat of transdimensional fascists and this one Luke Skywalkerian hero named Starker, who is you know he's basically like a homeless lunatic. It's it's a really weird movie. Um, 
and it's it's a it's really kind of on the edge, but it's it's out on Blu-ray now from Verboten Video, and uh, it's called Split, and it is a cult film. And if you haven't heard of it, you might want to check it out. But it's definitely on the on the weird edge. Not to be mistaken with the uh, M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, so. we talked we talked about Toby Hooper last week, and we got another Toby Hooper movie, Spontaneous Combustion, which is terrible. He wrote he directed this in 1990, and uh, you know Toby Hooper just really kind of only had one good movie in it. Well, that was Poltergeist, and, and, and that genre of movie kind of went away. Yeah, but uh, anyway, it's, it's got its moments. You know, it's just not not great. And then he so he wrote and directed this, and he was kind of still trying to be relevant. But after Poltergeist, he just didn't. Uh, Basically, spontaneous combustion with Brad Dourif is, is the star, and John Cryer's in it as well. Um, uh, it, it, John, sorry, John Cipher, not John yeah. Cryer. John Cipher. Uh, you know, people burst into flames. It is what it is. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not good. Um, Dennis Hopper directed a movie called The Last Movie in 1971, which uh, did not quite do what Easy Rider did. Uh, it's. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a weird career of his, isn't mm, it, Hopper? Yeah. Particularly particularly on that side of the camera. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this is Blu-ray release of uh, the last movie, which he it's it's essentially a uh, an, an inside Hollywood thing um, about a Hollywood production that's making a western in Peru, and he plays a stuntman by the name of Kansas, and um, the kind of does a man called horse deal mm. in this when they're done shooting he sort of stays behind and tries to see, I don't want to say he like goes native because it's not quite what this is about but he um, he's looking for something in Peru that he didn't he doesn't find in the rest of his life and uh, this is winds up going into a very weird kind of man called horse direction and uh, it it's a uh, almost almost a a, a, an Apocalypse Now direction, which mm. is why it's also weird that he showed up in Apocalypse Now. But um, it just doesn't quite work. Uh, it's a beautiful restoration. It's a really ambitious show. Uh, they have a, a, a 1971 interview excerpt with uh, Dick Cavett and a whole bunch of really interesting stuff from the from the, you know the, the archives of the film, 30-minute documentary portrait of uh, Dennis Hopper. But uh, for some reason, it just doesn't click. It's almost mm. like he he was trying too hard to replicate his success from Easy Rider. Mm. Very unfortunate. Um, Karate Kid Part Three and the Next Karate Kid with Hilary Swank. That's right, Hilary Swank was Once Upon a Time the Next Karate Kid. Uh, there's a double feature of these from Mill Creek on Blu-ray. Look, Karate Kid Part Three is not very good. The Next Karate Kid is really not very good at all either. Mm. But if you are a completist, you may want to pick that up just so that you have all of your karate, kid all of your karate kid stuff. And while we're on the subject, Double Dragon is part of the MVD Rewind collection, and it comes in that uh, kind of faux uh, retro VHS <coughs> thing where you, you know they're trying to sort of make you feel like, hey, it's really nostalgic. Is that a sticker like we used to get on our VHS thing? Oh no, it's part of the cover art. Isn't that clever? It's not a sticker. It won't come off. Soon uh, no one will know what that is. I know. It's ridiculous. It's for people from our generation. So look, this has people in it that no one today will know unless you grew up in this well, era. Mark like DeCostas. Mark DeCostas. Alyssa Milano is still in the news. Yeah, yeah. yeah but Mark DeCostas was the man for yeah. a long time in these kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, even showed up.
showed up in uh, the Brotherhood of the Wolf, the French film, yeah, French playing film, a Native yeah. American. Yeah, not bad either. So not bad. So, uh, but you know, this was one of those martial arts movies from the uh, the nineteen eighties and early nineteen nineties era, and it's all right. It's you know, it's it's based on a video game and. If you played the video game, you'll probably get a kick out of the movie. If you didn't play the video game, if you weren't into martial arts, you wouldn't really care at all. Or Robert Patrick, uh, I guess people might have recognized him coming off of the because he played the Liquid Term, you know, the Terminator, yeah. Terminator Two. Yep. So yep. Lead for him. The uh, the very powerful and popular Martin Sherman play Bent was made into uh, a movie directed by Sean Mathias, and uh, Film Movement has this on Blu-ray now. This is an NC-17 rated uh, bruiser of a movie, and uh, it's it's really, really tough to watch. In many respects, I think it goes overboard. It's one of Clive Owen's best performances. It's sort of what put Clive Owen on the map, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, this is from uh, 1997, and it is, uh, it is a really, really, really tough movie to watch. It earns every single bit of its uh, NC-17 rating. Um, the it, it all takes place in um, uh, pre-war Germany, and uh, it's it's a Holocaust film. Uh, you know the the Holocaust before the war actually began, when everything is just really, really uh, when when Germany thinks they're getting away with it, yeah. basically. And um, boy, it is it's just tough to watch. Uh, I, I won't tell you anything about the cast. I'll tell you only who's in it: Clive Owen, Ian McKellen. Uh, Lothair Bluto and Mick Jagger. Yeah, uh, all of them are excellent, but it is such uh, it's such a tough movie to watch. There are times where you feel like it's a little too much. Uh, and then uh, we've also got Topper. Uh, oh. The Topper movies are a lot of fun. If you are a fan of the Topper movies, which is of course the old supernatural, you know, mischievous ghost Topper movies, uh, there's uh, Topper Returns and Topper Takes a Trip. Uh, these are fine. Uh, they're, you know, uh, not quite the same as the original Topper, but these are from uh, VCI, uh, who has always done really wonderful stuff with their, their classic catalog. That's a Joan, the Joan Blondell and... Yeah, and Constance, the, Constance Bennett. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, these are fun. As yeah, opposed to Cary Grant and... Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. That's why it's like the B team, right? Yeah. But but still, you know, the, uh, the 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 whole concept of Topper is is fun and it's worth checking out. And if you are a Topper completist, you're going to want to add those as well. And then uh, just a few more here, and then I'll uh, turn it over to Tim to uh, dive into some new stuff. Uh, Melies Fairy Tales in Color from Flickr Alley uh, is a whole bunch of retinted Melies stuff from uh, nineteen eight uh, from eighteen ninety nine to nineteen oh nine. Ten years worth of Melies genius uh all of it retinted as he did at the time because you yeah. know he hand tinted hand colored a lot of this stuff Milies, of course being the principal subject of uh scorsese's movie hugo That's played right. by um, ben kingsley, ben kingsley yes. yeah and Milies, obviously one of the great pioneering figures in the history of movies and uh so this is a, a wonderful wonderful release from flicker alley and the blackhawk films collection of david shepherd that uh, really highlights the Melies genius probably as well as anything has since ever. Mm -hmm. uh, frankly, I mean, it's uh, you know, it, it, most of the time we're watching Melies in just black and white or maybe kind of um, sepia toned. But when you really add all the colors back in, when it's shown the way that Melies intended for it to be seen, mm -hmm. 
now you're feeling the soul of the man a little mm. bit. It's not just his technique. It's it's, it's the it's really it's it's very special. All all of the elements are there as he yeah. intended. It's a, big, it's a different thing. Laurel and Hardy Comedy Collection is not a complete Laurel and Hardy set. It's just a it's a collection of shorts and features and and uh, various other things. Some of them have just Laurel. Some of them have just Hardy. Um, you know, so it's it's uh, in the in the wake of the recent movie with John C. Riley and. Um, uh, what's oh, the uh, 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 Phoenix. Uh, uh, no, the, the not from the brothers, sisters, or the sisters. No, brothers? John, John C. Riley and uh, oh, uh, uh, Stan Nolly from. Uh, so that'd be uh, Steve Coogan. Stephen Coogan. Thank Steve you. Steve Coogan. Blanked on Coogan for. Which is another movie that's not wasn't uh, you know those yeah. those performances in that movie didn't no. didn't quite make the yeah. But the movie it got a little bit of attention. I, I you know, I enjoyed it, but, but I enjoyed the performances. I thought yeah, John C. Here. might have actually gotten and the women and yeah, the women. Yeah. The oh yeah, the women were actually the best thing in that movie. Yeah. So anyway, you got a lot, you get a lot of nice little shorts here, stuff that uh, is fun. The Flying Deuces is very very famous and popular. So is Utopia. Um, there's some Stan Laurel home movies here. Uh, then you got stuff like uh, Hop to It, Bell Hop, The Hobo, Mud and Sand. There's, there's some, you know, there's some, there's some fun stuff. But you know, the uh, what, what's interesting is seeing the solo short films that they made without each other. Uh, that's where you really kind of get a sense of why they needed each other. And it's not mm-hmm. that the films aren't good; they're just different. Uh, and then the uh, last couple here, uh, really quickly, uh, Henry Fonda and Joan Bennett in I Met My Love Again. This is from Classic Flicks. This is a 1938 film. Uh, it is only on DVD, not on Blu-ray. It is, uh, it's, a, you know, it's not a great movie, but it's nice to see a young Henry Fonda and a young Joan Bennett kind of working out their, their, their acting chops yeah. and uh, at a very, very young early age, 1938. Uh, it's it, it's a it's a it's a nice film for people who are fans of these two uh, performers to sort of see them really flexing their their early acting chops, and then a couple from Shout Select, uh, Suburbia, the Penelope Spheres film, which was sort of her last great film before she sold out and started making stuff like Little Rascals. Mm. Uh, I just don't understand the tra- tra- trajectory of her career at all. But Suburbia is really great. It looks at the uh, the punk scene in uh, L.A. in 1980s, and I know that scene well. Mm. And man, does she capture it! Just nails it. And there's an audio commentary. Uh, her film before that, the decline of Western civilization, was a yeah. doctor was all all about that whole punk scene. Oh, it so is. It was She's, like her thing. This was her thing. I don't and know when she walked rascals. away. Yeah. It's weird, and then Little Rascals and lots of bad TV, bad adaptations of TV shows. But uh, yeah, she does an audio commentary here solo, and then she does another audio commentary with her producer and actress Jennifer Clay. And uh, this is from Shout Select. It is a wonderful transfer, and it is a it is just a rock solid movie. It has per- live performances in it from a lot of punk bands at the time, like TSOL, mm. who you know I used to see their little. The, Kids I went to school with would write TSOL, like graffiti. You know, they'd etch it into desks. You'd sit down at a desk in English class, and the, the day before it was clean, and then suddenly somebody carved TSOL in it because they're uh, punk, man. Yeah. You're like, what 14-year-old brat would do that? Uh, you... At least at least come up with your own tag, man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then lastly, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which has gone on to be a Broadway hit. And now there's going to be a female version of it. And it, What's know, funny it's, is the movie wasn't very good. I, you know, it's... Here's what here's the thing about it. Frank Oz had a way with with directing comedies at this time. What, what about Bob and mm, uh, you know a little yeah. shop of horrors and a lot of other things. And the only reason this works is 
because Steve Martin and Michael Caine know that this is just a ridiculous movie, <laughs> and they are just they're milking it. They're, they're going. They're to the, doing shtick all the way. They're doing shtick all the way through it, and that whole thing with not mom. It's just. You know, uh, it's so overboard, yeah. but for some reason, the three or four moments that are funny are really funny. And the rest of the movie, you just got to suffer through. Uh, co-written significantly by Dale Launer. Dale Launer, who had a moment where uh, his real claim to fame was the screenplay for My Cousin Vinny. Ah. So Dale Launer was a real comedy guy for a moment there uh, in the uh, in the '90s in particular, but I just don't know what happened to him since. Mm, it so you going? Keep yeah, going. let's go for it. Go for it. Uh, okay, okay, newish kind of stuff. The boy down some indie business here. The boy downstairs, uh, which is an interesting little sort of Tribeca Film Festival fave back yeah. in 2017, directed by Sophie Brooks, the uh, of Mamet, uh, who's you know. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, the interesting notion in this movie is a young woman who uh, has its boyfriend, uh, dumps him, moves away. She's gone for several years, moves mm-hmm. back to New York, and inadvertently moves into the apartment uh, directly above her former boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, and and, and uh, you know, wacky hijinks ensue. It's a, it's, a neat, it's a neat sort of notion, actually, and this movie is actually rather good, uh, romantic and, 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 and funny sometimes. Uh, Behind-the-scenes photo gallery and theatrical trailer on the Sophie, on the Sophie Brooks film. Uh, a Private War, another Ooh. film that I think we thought that maybe we might be talking about. Roseman Pike, maybe. Uh, you know, this playing this, Mary Colvin, the the war, the very famous war photographer, loses her, famously loses her eye, and wore the wore the eye patch, and, yeah, uh, wore the eye know, patch, trudges on to something. Interviewed yeah. interviewed uh, uh, Muammar Gaddafi very yeah. famously, and uh, yeah, you know, really a legendary figure. Yeah, this is this is. I have really mixed feelings about this movie because it's so well made. Yeah, I mean, it's really really well made, and her performance is about as good as you can do for a woman who's a bit impenetrable. Matthew Heineman directing. Yeah. Yeah, he does a really good job, and I hope he gets other gigs. But the thing is, it's just not a very interesting movie. Yeah, yeah. It's it, just it, she it goes does, here, she goes there. She gets and frankly, and she's not a very likable character. I mean, the actually, the actual, I mean, the character who I mean, she's playing this real person, so I say yeah. character. So she's playing the character as the, as the human was. Yeah, the human was kind of an ass. Yeah, it's true. You know, and Tough but you know, like. unfair. Because if it were a male character played true. the exact same way, I probably wouldn't have said that. It's true. So, I, 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 just, I just wish it were... There are just a few things that you know you could fix to make that a really interesting script, and yeah. they didn't do it. And we'd be yeah. talking about it now. Yeah. Uh, Bernie, Bernie the Dolphin, a cute little family film uh, uh, about these kids uh, down, in, down in Florida who found, find this uh, baby dolphin who's sunburnt. And basically, it's a, it's a kid and their dolphin movie. It's, yeah. That's what it is. It's, it's like any other kid in their animal movie. Uh, but it is sweet, something you can, uh, we'll enjoy with the family. Behind-the-scenes featurettes on that, Bernie and the Dolphin. Hmm. Uh, neat little movie. Uh, the Grinch, man. This movie just rubbed people the wrong way in every possible way. Uh, this, was, this was another case where we took my daughter, because mm. she loves The Grinch, and she's never seen the Jim Carrey one. She's only seen the original animated Chuck Jones, which is genius because it's the genius of Dr. Seuss and Chuck Jones mm-hmm. brought together. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a classic, it's a holiday classic, and it's a half an hour, and it's boom, and you're in and you're out. Simple flat 2D and animation. That's it. And wonderful, wonderful narration from Boris Karloff. Mm-hmm. That, but, you know, it's like three geniuses at once the, Boris Karloff and, and, and Chuck, Chuck Jones and, yeah. and Dr. Seuss, and it all came together. And it's, that's why it endures. And in this, they went and they got Benedict Cumberbatch yeah. to do an American-accented yeah. Grinch that's like not memorable. No, 
And I just don't. I, it, and it's too long. And the, they round the story out with all, all this other kinds stuff, of all stuff. All kinds of they, stuff. They, they, they give Cindy Lou Who dialogue. Cindy oh, Lou Who was just... like two. She didn't, she, didn't, she didn't do any dialogue. Uh, and, you know, they sort of pump up the dog story. And, of course, there's the extremely, the extremely highly uh, resolved uh, 3D animation, none of which I liked. Uh, this, though, is packed it's, with all it's kinds 4K. of stuff. 4K. 4K, yeah. Packed with just about everything you can possibly think of on it. Um, there. Aircraft carrier, Guardian of the Sea, 21st century. This basically is just a, a, a doc about the uh, the amazing thing we call the aircraft carrier. Yeah, which I which is which is an amazing thing. You've been on them. Well, I was you, stationed you, on the Enterprise. You were stationed on the Enterprise. I was stationed on the Enterprise when it, when, it, when it came out of um when it was out of uh, San Diego. What year was that? 1980. 1980. So in 88, uh, no 86 in 86. I toured the Enterprise. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because it was because I was living in Toulon in France, mm -hmm. which is a port, and, mm -hmm. and you know the French will have their they'll have their aircraft carriers, which look so impressive until the Enterprise mm -hmm. comes in. and It's like the United States. It's like the United States coming in and showing off, you know, and I go, hey, you know, we're <laughs> hey, here we go, we're America, and the and you realize, oh my gosh, that French aircraft carrier is puny. It's oh. like a it's like putting a, a, a bicycle next to a, an eighteen wheel truck. Oh, we're three thousand um, people on, on that aircraft. But on our aircraft it was the we we met five thousand. We met a bunch of the uh, you know we we go to this little this little uh, tavern down the street to watch World Cup games, and met uh, that was the year that. Freaking Argentina, Germany in the <laughs> final. Hand of God, Maradona, and um, and uh, met some of the these uh, shop stewards from the Enterprise, mm -hmm. and they were like, "Hey, come on down." So they, they invited us on to, and we and that's where I saw Better Off Dead with John Cusack. <laughs> Because they got all the early movies, right? Because yeah, yeah, that's one of the, yeah. the things Hollywood. They, 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 uh, an aircraft carrier is like a city. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Very often, um, you could be on an aircraft carrier for a long time. I wasn't on the aircraft carrier as long because I was actually just escorting yeah. a bunch of F-16s. So I was actually in the Air Force. I was in the Navy. I was in the Air Force. But I was attached. Yeah. And you could be on that aircraft carrier uh, uh, for, for weeks, right? And then you'd go into port someplace. We went into Pusan. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and you get off to carry and you're roaming around the city and you meet people. Yeah. And, you, and you say, hey, you know, you know, what, what, what boat are you on? I'm on the Enterprise. You're like, you are? <laughs> I'm on the Enterprise. <laughs> I've been on the Enterprise for three months. I've never seen. But you could do that. You could, you could, you could spend a tour on yeah. that boat and never meet everybody. It's, it's, it was mad. I mean, we, we got the full tour of it. The whole, it couldn't go up deck because yeah, it's too dangerous. Yeah, they don't yeah. let you go up top. Yeah, that's um, where the catapults for the Yeah, it's, it's, it's off limits. It's, it's super hoop. Like people get severed in half oh, yeah. if a cable. If a cable snaps, it'll cut your body in half. But um, it's really dangerous up there. But we were on the on the deck below where the planes are before they lift them up on those giant mm -hmm. elevators. And there and the thing I had I didn't realize is that uh, there are entire there are like ten basketball courts, full sized basketball courts down there. So that if the planes move, you can pull down these basketball hoops and mm -hmm. you can have like a whole like, like yeah. a full sized game there. Yeah, yeah, it's you, crazy because yeah, fighter jets take up a lot of space. It's amazing. Yeah. So I mean, it's a it's great, it's great documentary by the way. I mean, seriously, a, a aircraft carrier is a marvel of engineering. Yeah, a floating city is what it is. Well, here's a. We're, I want to go through all this Kino stuff now because Kino has just man, they keep getting great stuff. And there's there's one here in particular. That, well, there's a couple. I want to I want to be real real tell say some very special things about. But first off, 
they keep releasing all this great Depati Freeling animation. They, uh, that's of course the uh, you know like the Pink Panther stuff. But there's a lot of great other ones too. And they now have the volume two of that, which includes Sheriff Hoot Clute, the Dog Father, the Blue Racer, Mister Jaw, and Crazy Legs Crane. These are the things, and Mr. Jaw, of course, is probably the most famous outside of Clouseau and uh, the Pink Panther, but uh, this is great stuff. It really is fun, and most people don't know all of these necessarily. They, they only know the, uh, the, the Pink Panther stuff, so it's nice to discover all of that. Um, and that's all been released before, but it's now boxed into a volume two. And then, as far as the Pink Panther stuff, continue to get it on Blu-ray. Fantastic. I just hope they... They put this all into a box set, a complete box set at some point, because this may be the end of this year, because it would be great, really, really great to have all of this finally. Uh, we've got Volume 3 and Volume 4 now of the Pink Panther cartoons. Volume 3 covers 1968 to 69, Volume 4, 1971 to 75, and there are some really, really terrific shorts here. The Pink Panther shorts are so, so good, and... Uh, this is when, you know, UA was a was a giant in the world of animation. Yeah. It totally captures that 60s and 70s period. And in Blu-ray, it has never looked sharper or more colorful. It is just absolutely beautiful. Um, my favorite, I think three of my favorite Pink Panther cartoons are here. On volume three, they've got G.I. Pink. Um, pink is a mini splintered thing. And Think Before You Pink. And then the other two that I really like that are from the later period are um, Pink Streaker and um, Pink Blue Plate. So those are really, really fun. They're on these two volumes and uh, highly, highly recommended. As for Kino's other stuff, this is a box set that uh, is so perfect for the moment and uh, cannot highly recommend it enough because it's every, everything on here is deserving. Pioneers, First Women Filmmakers. Everyone seems to be ignorant of the fact that some of the earliest, most successful filmmakers in Hollywood, screenwriters, directors, uh, were women and did amazing, amazing work in, uh, in, these, in the silent period in particular. Uh, this covers 1911 to 1929 and the work of people like Lois Weber. I, I got to tell you, I actually teach a, a course on that. Yeah. And it blows people away when I start talking about and showing them Lois Weber there, who, yeah. who, who by the the, the the Cabbage Patch Fairies, yeah, uh, the, that scene she does, nineteen twenty whatever, she's butt naked in this scene, yeah. right? Which yeah. is extremely daring. Yeah, uh, Alice Guy Blaché, a little French Peruvian filmmaker who was there with the actual uh, Lumiere brothers. Yep, uh, on that train platform when they filmed that train coming into the station at Lyon. Yep, uh, which is some of the very first footage ever filmed with a film camera. Alice Guy Blaché was right there. If I know women, she yep. probably told him, you know what, you're probably going to put that camera over here. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how... You know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, they've got uh, Grace Kennard, uh, Alana Nazimova, Mabel Normand, oh, by yeah. the way, yeah. who, you know, uh, Mabel Normand was the one that... that schooled Charlie Chaplin yeah. at the very, very beginning. Yeah. I mean, gave him her all timing her... was impeccable. Impeccable. It's a wonderful box set. 25 hours worth of stuff here. You get a booklet as well. It's a, it is absolutely wonderful. Uh, you know, Ruth Ann Baldwin, a uh, figure probably a lot of people have never heard of. Elsie uh, Jane Wilson, who made The Dream Lady. Um, Ida Mae Park, 
who mm. made bread. You know, these are all really, uh, really, really significant figures. Uh, Francis Marion, Song of Love. Francis mm-hmm. Marion, just another really legendary figure. A number and, of Asian women, more than a few black women, yeah. uh, 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 also show up much earlier than you would think. Anyway, in this sort of Me Too movement where yeah. we're talking about, you know, women directors coming back to the fore, it, it is worth it to be reminded that women were in some of the most important positions in, in cinema at the, be- at the beginning of cinema. Yep. Uh, uh, so, you know, there you go. So now we're going to roll through the uh, the rest of the studio classics that uh, Kino has released recently. And the first one I want to get into is Cabin Boy. Yeah. Now, Cabin Boy, uh, I saw this with my wife and my sister-in-law, and we all thoroughly enjoyed just how ridiculously stupid it is. Uh, this is the Chris Elliott movie. It kind of ended Chris Elliott's film yeah, career I'll say it's it's a look it's just dumb and it's, David Letterman's I think that's the only movie you ever appeared in but what what is important about this what's really important about this movie is this uh, the the this is the year for which David Letterman hosted the Oscars yeah that's why David Letterman hasn't been back I still yeah. thought he did a great job yeah but there was the, he was no the, Johnny Carson the best part of that Oscar show was the do you want to buy a monkey? <laughs> because there's a there's a scene in here. David Letterman's scene in here uh, is a totally hammy scene where he says, "Do you want to buy a monkey?" <laughs> and then, the, in order to make fun of himself, he did a montage of all of these actors reading that line. Uh, and I think I think he has Patrick Stewart in there yeah, saying, "Do yeah. you want to buy a monkey?" And I only remember the only one I really remember is Martin Short screaming it. Do you want to buy a monkey? He's yelling at the top of his lungs. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I was in tears. It's I was wonderful. in tears. No one else thought it was funny. Uh, but anyway, Cabin Boy. You had to have seen the movie. Here's what they did. They did the artwork up on this slip cover. They gave it a slip cover, uh, which is great. Uh, same artwork as, as what's underneath. But the slip cover has kind of a classic Captain's Courageous 1940s artwork on it. And it's done like a classic old movie. And it says, Chris Elliott, Cabin Boy, the contentious classic that angered a nation. Anyway, loads of extras here. Audio commentary with uh, director Resnick, uh, Adam Resnick, and uh, Mike Sachs, and uh, and uh, Chris Elliott. Um, uh, also an interview with Chris Elliott and Adam Resnick, and uh, you know archival cast interviews from the EPK and audition tapes, and you know some fun stuff. Andy Richter's audition tape yeah. is actually of quite course. A hoot. Chris Elliott had been running around the David Letterman show for forever, for, forever, forever. And his his yeah. dad is Bob Elliott, Bob uh, Elliott. Ken and Bob, yeah. the legendary radio duo. So. You know, that's a lot going on. Uh, here's a weird one. The uh, the Great Scout and uh, Cat House Thursday. This is such an odd movie. I had forgotten this even existed. This is from 1976. It did not do particularly well at the time. Um, directed by Don, T- Don Taylor. Written by Richard Shapiro. With a cast that you would think is to die for. Lee Marvin, Oliver Reed, Robert mm. Culp, Elizabeth Ashley, Struther Martin, and Sylvia Miles in The Great Scout and Cat House Thursday. So it's kind of a Western oddity is what this is. And um, it takes place in 1908, kind of the end of the Western period. But it's still, you know, in Colorado, 1908 is sort of still the Wild West. Um, it's the end of the frontier, one might say. 
And uh, boy, it's it's really bizarre. It's a uh, it's part you know, part Capaloo, Capaloo, uh, part Lee Marvin also part part uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre yeah, a yeah. little bit. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird. K Lens, young K Lens in that movie. I, I love stuff like that. Sunny and Cher in Good Times, uh, directed by you know directed this no William Friedkin. Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here. Well, you know what? Everybody Something, always forgets that. Something to be said for the, you know. 1967, William Friedkin, uh, you know, four years before he would win an Academy Award for directing The French Connection. Uh, or no, that was 73. So that was uh, six years. Six yeah. years before he would uh, win an Academy Award for directing The French Connection. Was just did a job for hire, man. He directed uh, this utterly weird Sonny and Cher movie that has no business existing. <laughs> he, it's true. It's just a silly movie. It's just a silly swing in the 60s, groovy He's walking thing. around in that, in that fur sort of... <laughs> yeah. It's, look, they're trying to do for Sonny and Cher what the Beatles movies did for the Beatles. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do. And it doesn't really work, but it's, a, it's an oddity and people are fond of it. Uh, the Trip to Bountiful won an Academy Award oh, for yes. Geraldine Page. Rebecca DeBarnay is also wonderful in this, as is John Hurd. Uh, look, it's a it's a wonderful movie. It's just a wonderful movie, and it's a it's a classic. It still survives. I don't know why director Peter Masterson hasn't gone on to have more of a, a career. It really relies on the writing of Horton Foote, who did a, a screenplay from his own his own play, and it's just a sweet sweet. It's about an old woman, you know, on on a. Uh, on an essential kind of last life journey, and Geraldine Page deserved the moment. Wanted. They were in those movies were a thing, and you had that, and in the Whales of August, and yep. Uh, yep. you know, yeah, even to a certain extent, yep. I suppose Driving Miss Daisy was yep. quite lovely. Uh, Gold is a bit of a weird Roger Moore, Susanna York movie um, uh, with Ray Milland and Bradford Dilden and and uh, John Gilgood in it. Uh, this is a kind of in 1974 thing for Roger Moore to do between Bond films, really. Uh, he was still James Bond at that time, and he was very popular doing it, but he wanted to do other stuff, so he, they went and did, he worked with uh, his, his, the uh, uh, director of On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Peter Hunt, to do a movie, uh, basically a conspiracy thriller set in South Africa, centered around gold. Uh, and it's, it's fine. It's very dated. Uh, you know, Moore is cool and suave, and Susanna York is beautiful, and I don't yeah. really know what else there is to say about he, it. He got the sweat in that movie, yeah. unlike in the Bond movies. I love trapeze. Oh, yes. I love trapeze. Uh, Burt Lancaster, Tony Curtis, and Gina Lola Brigida. Um, you know, look, it's a it's a soap opera set against the world of uh, circus trapeze artists. And 1956, I saw, I, man. I saw this thing a hundred times when I was a kid, over and over and over. And uh, there there's so much of this that winds up in other movies. I think they even use footage of this in. Uh, in the artist, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. All that trapeze stuff was taken from this, I believe. That, and they just did some, you know, face replacement and a few other things. But uh, there's a lovely cinema, uh, cinemascope melodrama from '56, the same year as uh, uh, the as uh, the King and I. Was it the King and I in '56 or '55? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, at least the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments yeah. was '56. Carol um, Reed. Yeah, a lot of a lot of great uh, a lot of great uh, stuff from that that period. And Carol Reed, you know, does a great job with this, and would of course go on to win an Oscar for Oliver, and you know, also did the Third Man. Great British director. But this is this is fun. And there's an audio commentary by film historian Kat Ellinger, and the color is fantastic. Uh, let's just blow through the last few here really quickly. Once Upon a Crime is a not very good comedy, but it's got a little bit of uh, nostalgia to it because it was directed by Eugene Levy and produced by Dino De Laurentiis. So it's a bit of a, an SCTV reunion comedy that doesn't quite work. But you know what? Screenplay by Charles Shire and Nancy Myers. 
Uh, and it's got, uh, you know, John Candy and Sean Young and uh, Ornella Muti and Richard Lewis and George Hamilton and, you know, it's a simple shepherd. It's just, it's a, it's, it's kind of a movie of its era. It doesn't really work, but it's kind it's of a movie a, out of its era, actually. It's I mean, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little late, even for its day. Yeah. Uh, but Eugene Levy is funny. So, yeah. Very, very funny. Uh, so, real quickly here, let's see. A Minute to Pray, A Second to Die is a, uh, a Robert Ryan movie, kind of a, a, a spaghetti western thing that was made in 1968 for, uh, by uh, Italians. Franco uh, Giraldi was the director. Never heard of him. Arthur Kennedy and Alex Cord are in this thing. Uh, it's it's it is what it is, you know. I don't really uh, I don't really know what this the appeal is, but if you're a, if you're a fan of spaghetti westerns, you'll probably love it. Uh, Rita Tushingham and Lynn Redgrave in the fantastic Smashing Time, uh, which is the movie that m- inspires the um, uh, all of the Austin Powers movies probably more than anything. This really captures that whole. Hate Ashbury, funky moment more than anything else. 1967, London, and, and Rita Tushingham, for crying out loud. We love Rita. She's the best. Uh, the, the knack and how to get it and all the rest of that fun stuff. So this is really a, a very, very fun. Cat Ellinger does another audio commentary here that's very, very good. And, uh, you know, it just it's a, it's a moment in time. Direct, uh, really great score, by the way, by John Addison. And uh, a lot of fun. Carlo Ponti produced that. Uh, coming right off of uh, Dr. Zhivago. Mm. Bat 21 with Gene Hackman and D- uh, Danny Glover. Get the junket yeah. for that. Did you, did you like this? No. I didn't either. Yeah, the, the, the Vietnam era movie. Yeah, it's just pilots another one. Via, uh, the helicopter pilots and pilots. and It's, it's kind of like Air America was, yeah. this and Air America are kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. And I don't know that either of them are all that good. But quirky uh, Vietnam stories. Peter, Peter Markle directed that. Uh, and then The Farmer's Daughter, a David O. Selznick movie with Loretta Young and Joseph Cotton and the wonderful Ethel Barrymore from 1947. This doesn't age terribly well, but it's still got a, got a moment. Uh, Lee Gammon, film historian, does the audio commentary. And uh, it's, you know, it, it, got, uh, it got Loretta Young an Academy Award for Best Actress. I don't know that it really ages that well, but uh, Joseph Cotton is in it. He's, really, he's, he's lovely as well. It's a sweet movie, uh, produced by the great Dory Sherry, one of the great all-time Hollywood uh, producers. And then here are the two that I really, really want to go to the town on. Sylvester Stallone in Oscar. 1991. Last great movie directed by John Landis. This is a great movie. And that movie is much funnier than people give credit for. It didn't do that well at the time. Dolly Parton, Sylvester Stallone. Tim Curry wipes me out in this movie. He is so funny as that doctor, that ridiculous doctor. He is so funny. Stallone is funny. Stallone is hysterically funny in this movie. Dolly, I, it's, just, it's, really, it's just funnier than people give it credit it's, for being. He's just so wonderful. I, I mean, everything about this movie is so, so charming. And what a great cast. Ornella Muti plays uh, his Ornella wife. Ornella Muti, actually, that's who I was thinking. She is fantastic. Rhinestone Pal- is the one he did with Dolly Parton. Chaz Palminteri is really, really good. Ivana Carlo even shows up in this yeah. thing, believe that or not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Donna Beachy. Yeah, it's just Kirk Douglas plays his dad. Eddie like, Bracken is in this freaking movie, dude. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, everybody is in this movie. It's just it's it's so so much fun, and uh, you know, it, I I just love this movie. I love everything about it. It's yeah. really really fun. Um, it's really worth checking out. Vincent Spano, yeah. you know, is yeah. is charming. Uh, I just I just love everything about this movie. It's a classic French farce, is what it is, and it's uh, it's beautifully staged, and everybody in it just they, they just nail it. It's beautiful. The last one, blame it on the bellboy. Oh yes, 
Now, here's why I'm going to really say something about this movie. So, Blame It on the Bellboy is a silly comedy um, starring uh, Bronson, Bronson Pinchot, Pinchot Dudley Moore. and Dudley Moore. And uh, a bunch of other people, Richard Griffiths and Patsy Kensett and Brian Brown. And it's, it's got a, a rather significant, uh, significant cast. But it's about the chaos that this bellboy causes in the lives of all these various people. And uh, it, it, what's great about it is that it understands that it's paying homage to mm. Jerry Lewis's mm-hmm. The Bellboy. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, kind of riffing on things like It's a Mad, 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 Mad World mm-hmm. and, and a lot of these other things. It understands its, its lineage. This was one of the first films in 1992 that I actually reviewed for Entertainment Today, where ah. we met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I gave it a great review. And I still love this movie. I still think it's funny and silly and delightful Mark and, and hilarious. Film. Mark Herman, great British director, directed this. Everyone else panned the da- wrote and directed this, panned the daylights out of this movie. Suddenly, I don't get mail in Entertainment Today. <laughs> I got mail in Entertainment Today. Wade Majors, critic, Entertainment Today. Okay. Open up the mail. I'm working there as an associate editor as well. Yeah. And uh, the job you turned down because yeah. you were smart. <laughs> and, and I open up this mail. And it's a letter from Mark Herman thanking me for appreciating and understanding his movie. And uh, this was the first time I'd ever got. I've gotten a few since. And that was the first time that it ever happened to me. And I thought, directors do that? <laughs> they write letters to film critics? Like, why don't I, I'm going to review more movies positively. I've only gotten the ones where they had something really pissy to say about what I said well, about their movie. Was, I got those. It was uh, it was very very special, and yeah. uh, I still stand by this movie. It is so much maligned. It's finally on Blu-ray. Blame it on the bellboy, Bronson Pinchot, Dudley Moore. Incredibly funny movie. Beautiful slapsticky, just lovable silliness. Mark Herman would go on to yeah. uh, direct things like uh, Little, Little Boys, Boys. Brassed Off. Brassed Off. You yeah. know, still a very, very good director. And uh, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, I think, was his maybe 10 years ago. So yeah, like Mark, Mark Herman really nailed it with this movie. A distinguished director who did a really wonderful comedy at a t- point in time when people just weren't willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Please mm. see it. Please mm. see Blame It on the Bellboy. Yeah. It's worth checking out. Bronson Pinshaw is very funny, by the way. Oh, people so forgot funny. how funny it was. Belky Bakhtalmus so and, and uh, him. You know, and that, that, it was wonderful. It, it kind of got broken that first. I think maybe yeah. it was the second Beverly Hills Cop. Maybe it was the first Beverly Oh, it was the second one. It was the second one. Oh, wait. Wait, no. Uh, I can't remember. First. Beverly Beverly Hills, it was the first Beverly Hills comedy. Yes, I mean, literally true. made a career yeah. for himself. It was Gilbert Gottfried who was in the second in one. In the second one, yeah. yeah. You know, it's kind of, yeah. Uh, TV? Yeah, let's do TV. Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke premiered, brother, in 1955. Stayed mm. on the air until 1975. So unbelievable. Uh, just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, such a long-running show. I mean, there have been shows that have run longer since. Uh, I, I, think, I think right now The Simpsons is the longest-running show on television. It is. If, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Simpsons is like, is, Simpsons may be the, it's the, it's the longest-running show currently on television, but it may, I think it may now be the longest-running primetime show ever. Yeah, it, it, well... I think it's beaten thinking, Gunsmoke. I want to say it's right there. It's either if it's, it hasn't beaten it, it's a year or two away. Well, and perhaps we're talking about if we're talking about uh, your narrative shows because I'm almost sure Face the Nation uh, and or uh, Meet the Press. Not prime time though. Not prime time. Not yeah. prime time. You're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, uh, you got uh, Gunsmoke here, volume uh, uh, season fourteen, volume two, uh, and season fourteen, volume one. You know what I like most about uh, any of these, but particularly this, Gunsmoke, because it did, in fact, run so long. It's like a treasure trove of performances from young actors. Uh, You you, you watch this show, and and you're just amazed. You're like, oh, look, young Dennis Weaver. 
Uh, oh, look, young, young uh, Dennis Hopper. Uh, oh, look, young William Shatner. It's, uh, it's, it's the same for all those shows yeah. from that era. Yeah, Linda Evans, you name it, they, are, they, they pop up. Here's the, here's the beef that I have with, with the Gunsmoke releases. They keep releasing each season in a volume one and two, even mm-hmm. though they're releasing them on the same days now. Oh. They won't release them in the same... They won't just do the whole season. They won't do they won't, they won't the yeah, yeah, They yeah. still won't do that. But that was back when they would do 30 episodes. Yeah. But but do you know when they released the first season of Gunsmoke on DVD? No. 2007, 12 years ago. Oh, wow. They are taking as long to really... <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not kidding. They're taking as long to release Gunsmoke on DVD as it took for the show to run. Just uh, stop that. Just release the Just thing. release the whole thing, man. Come God, I don't on. know who you think you're teasing. I, I'm, I don't think Viacom's bottom line is being bolstered by the releases of Gunsmoke on DVD. Oh, that's amazing. Come that's on. Amazing. Uh, uh, the the complete twelve part anthology series short lived anthology series Chillers that was hosted by Anthony Perkins. Uh, I remember sort of, this. Uh, yeah, it was okay. A little, little thing that happened in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, you know, sort of you know wanting to be a Twilight Zony, yeah. outer limity uh, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, didn't quite make it. But you know, uh, a few interesting things, including one adaptation adaptation of a uh, uh, the series itself is based on adaptation of Patricia Highsmith's. Uh, Strangers on a Train, Talented Mr. Ripley, and all these kind of stories. Uh, Ian McShane, Tuesday Well, Ian Holm, Bill Nye pops up in some of these, Ian Richardson. So interesting, interesting cast uh, in this sort of, um, you know, fairly watchable little television series here. Chillers, uh, not a lot of special features uh, on that, unfortunately. Uh, I'm going to hit up here uh, Acorn's Single-Handed The Complete Collection, which is an absolutely terrific show. Um... You know, there are a lot of the the British shows that we always see. The police dramas are typically London. Occasionally, they'll go kind of into the countryside, and we'll get something. You know, the the old cops and murder in the you know in the countryside. There's a few of those. Um, what I really really like about um, Single Handed is that it's it's Irish, mm-hmm. and that's a whole different world in in the UK. You know, anything any I mean, we we tend to associate Ireland with England, much to the chagrin of the Irish, yeah. and uh, we forget just how different, how culturally different it is. And uh, this is uh, this is really it's quite intense. It's quite intense. It's really really well written, and it's great. And it all you know, it's all just the the net. Look. Dublin is its own kind of yeah. hellhole. Yeah. Uh, London has its hellholes. You know, you go through some East but, End, and but, yeah. but but Dublin is a whole different deal, and that's what this gets into, and it's really really good. Um, the the actor here, Owen McDonnell, uh, plays uh, Sergeant Jack Driscoll, and he's the guy that this all kind of centers around, and uh, you know it it's. It, it's just, it, you know, he, this is a guy who comes from a small town, and now he's immersed in this this horrible, horrible um, world of urban crime, and it's really, it's so well done. It's just so well acted, and so well put together. Uh, it's a great show. It's kind of the, this is this is what, you know, UK area, Irish and UK television needs to be. Uh, single-handed, the complete collection, really, really good. Uh, the Dick Cavett Show. One of my favorite things in the world is the, the Dick Cavett Show from any era and any network. Uh, Dick Cavett popped up on PBS and, uh, and in ABC and some other networks. And his shows were always just so erudite uh, because he was so erudite. This is a particularly great collection here. Uh, they put together four extraordinary comedic talents, uh, sparring, uh, three I should say, sparring back and forth with uh, Dick Cavett, George Carlin, Martin Mole, and Steve Martin. 
appearances on the Dick Cavett great. show. You just can't. I mean, you know, you just you just can't uh, do and any I, better the, than that. The great thing too about Cavett was that he he you know a lot of a lot of hosts Johnny Carson among them, mm. and this is not a slight against them, but they would let the comics on and they'd let them just roll. Yeah, like if you when you saw when you saw Robin Williams on Carson, you knew it was just going to be Carson sitting there watching Williams do a performance. Yeah, he be, he became the audience. He became the audience. Dick Cavett never quite let them get away with that. Yeah, uh, he wanted to find out. What made him tick? Yeah. What got? What's 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 your deal? And he'd somehow get them to open up in ways that they normally wouldn't for anyone else. Yeah. And that was a that was a gift. And then when they started talking about something interesting, he would in fact let them talk. Yeah. Uh, so inside the mind of Dick Cavett, Volume Two, uh, this particular one, George Collin, Martin Mull, and Steve Martin. Fantastic. Uh, the Woman in White, a uh, PBS British drama. This is uh, based on the uh, very very famous mystery novel. Uh, by Wilkie Collins, which has been done before, I believe, but not quite so thoroughly. This is uh, this is you know like four and a half hours long, and is pretty much a straight adaptation of the of the novel, which is this this great Victorian um, kind of a thriller, as the only way to put it. It's a Victorian thriller. And uh, it all deals with uh, this woman in particular, the title woman, the woman in white. And it's if you've never read it, if you've never seen it, do yourself a favor. This was originally done for the BBC. It was shown here uh, on PBS, and it is um, it's really, really, really well done. I I'm, I almost wish they had done this as a as a feature film. Uh, but what a cast! Uh, Carrie Fox, uh, Art Malik, um, Ben Hardy. Uh, it, you know, it really, it's just, it's, it's terrific. Uh, Charles Dance even shows up a little bit. It's, uh, it's really wonderful. Mm. Um, uh, two, two interesting television series here. Humans. Uh, I started watching this and sort of fell off it, and then I went back to it for the for the uh, second season. Um, this is this is series three here, uncut UK edition of Humans. The 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 the, the sort of geo psychopolitical sci-fi allegory that's going on in this series is basically this. Uh, in the not-too-distant future, uh, synthetic humans have been created. Uh, there comes a moment when these synthetic humans gain consciousness, undeniable consciousness, and the humans, particularly the humans who have created them and used them for all kinds of things, uh, start to feel really odd about that. Uh, and uh, eventually, they start to not like that, and they start to distrust the sense. By the time the sense, by the time we get to series three here, yeah, really some interesting sort of you know. Uh, and these questions have been posed in sci-fi before, Asimov and others uh, have posed these sort of questions. But I find it all quite fascinating, uh, and, uh, and and it works really well. I love, so I rather rather enjoyed this show. This is season three. Bonus material includes some behind the scenes featurettes. Jim Carrey, season one of Jim Carrey's very interesting show, Kidding. Um, in this series, Jim Carrey plays a sort of... I this thing got really mixed reviews. It got mixed reviews, I, and, 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 I, and, I, and I watched uh, several of them. It was a little depressing to begin with, but I could kind of see what was going on there. Jim is playing this guy who's the host of a children's show, a 30-year host of a, ch a children's show. Think of a Mr. Rogers-type character. Oh, not Death to Smoochie? Uh, <laughs> wouldn't that be better? Wouldn't that be better? That'd be so much better. Uh, uh, and uh, his, his, his actual home life starts to unravel his wife, his, his, his child, all of that. The thing of it is, he really has his entire life been as optimistic an individual 
uh, as he has been playing on that show. And now that optimism isn't working in his actual life, and um, it, it, it causes him to question a number of things. The wonderful Judy Greer and Catherine Keener uh, pop up in the show, directed by, mostly by Michelle Gondry, which, of course, Jim uh, did the uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, whom uh, Jim did the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with a number of years ago. So you can kind of see where they would sort of overlap on this. And this is a very Michelle Gondry sort of take on life, that sort of French uh, dark take on Thing. So it's a dark comedy, uh, but it lightens up a little bit if you hang in there for a, uh, for a while and uh, actually becomes rather funny, too. Uh, let me pop down here to Jamestown. This was an interesting oh series. Oh, boy. I, I, uh, I gave this first season a, a, all my due attention, and yeah, then I, yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't push anymore. Well, this I really, is seasons one and two. What happened to Jamestown is the big question of the thing. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, here's the thing. I mean, they fabricate an awful lot. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah. It's all, For one thing, we don't know what happened to Jamestown, so yeah. you have to fabricate a lot. Uh, yeah. But it's, it, the thing is, it starts in a really interesting way, and mm. they really, they, they really if, you're, if you're a history buff like I am, and they, you know, they they get into the you know the the, the male female mm -hmm. relationships there. It's mostly about the women who came to Jamestown looking for husbands, and it's a bunch of men who've been without women. So you have this obvious sexual tension, and then the guy who gets this wife, she wants the other guy. They're all mismatched, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants somebody else, and then the woman who marries the 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 uh, the, the wealthy guy, she's she becomes like a a political mover and shaker. She starts telling him what she wants him to do so that he can move up the ladder and he thinks it's all his idea, but she's the one with the power in Jamestown. It's all this stuff. It's, mm. And then it, and it, it was about midway through that first season that, it, that this occurred to me. This damn thing's dynasty. <laughs> there it is. There it is. It is. It's a dirty version of Dynasty. Dynasty set in 1619. That's it. Uh, uh, for 12 years, um, for, for 12 years, there were only men. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Jamestown. Uh, 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 from, the, from the makers of Downton Abbey, though. Interesting. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. But some of the, some of the producers of Downton yeah. Abbey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Julian, Julian isn't involved. No, Julian Fellows had nothing to do with this. I'm really, what, what happened to his new series? He's got a new series on uh, the, uh, the Gilded Age. It's supposed to be premiering on NBC. I thought it was going to be premiering this last year, but maybe it's later this year. Maybe they got maybe, yeah, maybe it got bumped a little bit for because he uh, writes every episode. Yeah, that's the thing. There's yeah. no writing staff. Uh, man, yeah, yeah, it's goodies. kind of amazing. Um, let's see, where are we? Oh, uh, uh, eight hundred words, words. A season uh, three, part two. Season three, part two. Uh, another, another, another interesting sort of family-oriented series from Acorn TV. Uh, uh, you know, look, this is good family, family drama type stuff. Kind of, it reminds me of kind of a lot of stuff that used to pop up on television in the '80s on network television shows like Family, uh, and Eight is Enough, and uh, yeah, 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 Five, yeah. Uh, Party of Five, uh, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Uh, in the context of the show. But you know, it's fairly decent stuff. Uh, set in Australia, it just happens to be set in Australia. Eight episodes, two discs, uh, sets, uh, not a whole lot of special features. But if you're into Australian family dramas. 800 words will get you there. Season three, part two. Also, all nine seasons of The Game, which I never really watched when it was on TV originally. Me neither. Uh, uh, Paramount show uh, for CBS. And it's... It know, blows me where that show was on for nine seasons. See, that's the thing. It, it, it freaks me out that how some of these shows just hang around for a decade, and I'm not even remotely aware of them. Uh, you know, like if somebody had said to me, "How oh, you heard of the game? Yeah, I've heard of the game. Uh, it's what the second season? No, it's ninth season. It's like, wait a minute, how is that even possible? Yeah. Well, sometimes these shows exist. I mean, when they were all on network television, it was impossible to miss them. But if something's over on Showtime, 
or Stars or HBO or wherever, and it's not in that that block niche of yeah. programming that you watch one of you will lose it completely. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is this is nothing but a soap. Remember how? Okay, we just said that was Dynasty set in the, mm-hmm. in the 17th century in Jamestown. Yeah, this is Dynasty set in the world of professional football. Yeah, and with their wives all and all that kind of stuff. That's all it uh, is. You know, look, Mara Braca Akil um, uh, built herself a career out of this, and that's yeah. kind of great. But other than that, that's not a show. Yeah, it's not not well. Anyway, it's got all kinds of special features. If you're a fan of the show, you're not going to care what it is. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Got um. I guess there's a few anime things here. Let me let me blow through some of this. Made in Japan, the Made in Japan line uh, library has a bunch of great stuff that just came out recently through Funimation. Um, this is really wacky, wacky youth-oriented comedy, but Den No Coil. That's D-E-N hyphen N-O-H and then Coil, C-O-I-L. Complete collection. Uh, you know, it's, it's cute. It's a little bit... Um, Cloying, mm. but the uh, it has a lot to say in a strangely wacky way about modern digital technology, and this is about this girl who has these um, these glasses, these like digital goggles, right? And it, uh, it this is all about um, the world that she sees versus the world that she lives in, mm. and uh, it's it's. It's and it gets into like these kids who are you know they they're hackers and and it, it really has a lot. It's quite interesting what it, uh, the comments it makes. It's kind of all couched in sort of wacky youth oriented Japanese digital uh, youth culture, but it it's got stuff in it that's much more wise and sound than that. Um, goes a little deeper. Uh, a little more adult is Human Crossing, the complete collection. Uh, this is a standard definition on Blu-ray. They go out of their way to make sure that they point that out. And it kind of looks like it. it. I'm not sure why they did it that way, but it's, uh, it's, not, the, you know, it's not the best. It's, it's kind of, it's very strange. Anyway, it's one disc, 13 episodes. And um, gosh, I really wish they had done something better with the, with the imaging in this. Because otherwise the artwork is very, very sharp. And uh, this is also kind of a... Uh, um, I want to say it's a little bit like Babel, the movie Babel. Yeah. Uh, it's it looks at all of these interconnected lives in Tokyo, and uh, it's kind of this elaborate tapestry and collage of modern life, uh, and and what Tokyo and how Tokyo ties people together and tears them apart. It's very unusual for animation, but it's really quite well done, and uh, it's based on this very famous manga. And uh, if they had, if it looked better, I would really highly recommend it. As it is, it's kind of with reservations. Um, also, uh, standard definition on Blu-ray, uh, and I don't know why they do this, but they do. So it's it's a made in Japan thing. Are these two? I'm a little bit less enthused by uh, Shabungle X A B U N G L E. This is a 50 episode plus a movie thing that doesn't really. It, it's a very unusual uh, anime. It's uh, it's it's robot oriented. It's like kind of Transformers, giant robot gets a robo oriented. It's that world uh, takes place on the planet Zola and uh, this this very elaborate universe that's uh, that's written for this planet and uh, focuses on this um, this this crime, this particular crime, and this in this in this one character's family. And it's so, it's, you know, uh, it's like a, a kind of a precursor in some ways to a lot of the, uh, the space 
operas that have come since in, mm. in Japanese anime, but it, it, it's, it's odd. It's definitely kind of on the fringe. Um, this one's a little better. Hataraki Man, H-A-T-A-R-A-K-I. Really, really inventive animation. Also does not look anime-like, but uh, it's, uh, it's really, really, really well animated. This is all in the, in the publishing industry and from the point of view of a woman, and uh, it's... It, it, it's got a lot of social commentary in it, like all the rest of these made in Japan things. It's quite uh, quite interesting. You realize that much of what's going on if you're a woman in Japan is the same thing that's going on if you're uh, a woman in the United States mm-hmm. or anywhere else. And then a terrific boxed set of uh, Patlabor, the movies in the OVA series and the original television series. Uh, Patlabor, the mobile police. Um, this is one of the best cyberpunk things that they've ever done in anime. Yeah. And it's a wonderful, wonderful box set. And uh, if you're a fan of, you know, Robotech or Transformers or anything, all the way back to Geta Robo and Gataiga and Space Cruiser Yamato and all the rest of it, um, you know, uh, 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 Metropolis, uh, Wicked City. Mm-hmm. This is this is right in there. This is one of those uh, one of those legendary, uh, you know. Um, this is, this is just one of those great, great anime series. So uh, this is everything. This is the complete deal. Everything you ever want from Pot Labor and the Mobile Police in one box set. It's really great. Check it out. Uh, Tim, are we... Gosh, it looks like we're about, we're about done. Um, should we, you know... We've delayed this for a couple of weeks. Let's, uh, let's tell uh, everybody what's out. Miss Jane Fonda. People forget sometimes that uh, in the uh, early 80s, Jane Fonda, as well as still being a movie star at the time, was known as a uh, guru of fitness. Uh, and she did all of these videos on VHS, a thing called VHS back in the day. Uh, and, uh, and, and and actually, she was quite an expert on the stuff. She looked fantastic. It, it kind of looked fantastic her, her entire life. But even well into her 40s, uh, she was still looking great. And she was able to, to make a series for herself of these uh, fitness uh, uh, DVDs. Uh, and, and, uh, well, fitness VHSs at the yeah. time that are now on DVD. And she would basically just work the whole body. So we have Jane Fonda's workout series here. Uh, two DVDs, two separate DVDs. The first one. Lower body solution, abs, buns, and thighs. Uh, Jane, uh, with great. In, 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 in a in a perfectly flammable leotard. And uh, we, let's, let's just be clear: we're not recommending these because we think somebody needs some exercise videos. This is no. sheer nostalgia oh, yeah. indulgence. Yeah, yeah. Jane, Jane Fonda and neon uh, leotards, uh, exercising with a lot of. Uh, hey, but look, you know what? I'm sure they're getting a pretty good workout too. And the lean routine <laughs> workout series, ultimate fat burning workout for everyone. Jane Fonda, an iconic figure. Uh, in more in more ways than one in just her in her life and career. I mean, interesting. Jane Fonda, Hanoi Jane. Back in the '60s, she was Hanoi Jane, right? And then she became a workout. And guru. then she became. And then, and then after a while, she became a, something of a movie star again. Yeah. Jane made a few very important movies. Um, a weird career. Uh, and uh, and then she married Ted uh, Turner. Turner. <laughs> uh, and went and went hardcore. It's sort of like uh, evangelical, evangelical for a minute. For a minute there. Yeah. And uh, you know, um, nice, interesting it's, life there. Jane. A, she's lived 20 lifetimes, and they're all interesting. Yeah. All right. With that. We are done, and uh, hang in there. And if you're in L.A., try to uh, go to the uh, scpr.org site and see if you can get some tickets to come and see us on the 17th at the Ace Theater downtown. We'll be with our other Film Week colleagues talking mm-hmm. about the Oscars. It'll be a good time. Lots mm-hmm. of clips. It'll be better than the Oscars. I can promise you that. I promise you that. Our show will be better. Than the Oscars.